There's nothing more thrilling than nailing an insurance company. And the truth shall set you free! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Great moments are born in great opportunity. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of On Justice Podcast. Um, we have a, a special guest with us here in the podcast room. We have uh, Rudy Rodriguez Shamat. He's the Vice President of Strategic Partnership for Synergy Settlement Services. Um, met with him earlier this week, asked if he would mind coming on the podcast. He graciously uh, accepted the invitation, so we're happy to have him. Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it. I'm honored to be here, and I absolutely love that intro. Thanks, man. I'll tell you a quick story that I actually, uh, I could do that monologue of Jack Nicholson in uh, A Few Good Men by heart. Really? Yeah. It's it's a it's a great scene, man. We, we it's funny. We actually you, I don't know if you've seen, but we did a YouTube where I went through it and analyzed that portion of the movie of whether that was real or what could happen. Part of it was the monologue where uh-huh. they interacted. So, um, it's a great 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 cinematic movie. Um, and just a great moment, although it's not really real. But, you know, the, the benefit is is it makes it look what we do as, as cool as what we do. It but had, It had me wanting to be a Marine at one point. Did it? <laughs> Seriously. Well, I remember after law school, I actually, the job prospects were kind of terrible. I actually met with a recruiter trying to get into the JAG program after enlisting first as uh-huh. an officer. Um, but ended up not going that route. So here I am. So... So I, I brought Rudy on because I think one of the the benefits to have is is we talk about you know his his strategic partnership is you know us as lawyers when you there's various components that people may or may not know about a case right there there's the idea of that you you sign up the case you work the case up you get the case resolved but then when you get the case resolved you know there's a lot of steps that happen after that right um, and. and what Rudy does in his company is is they kind of help you after the fact, but also some stuff before, right? Um, you know, what you know, just kind of describe generally, you know, what some of the things that Synergy Settlement Services does and how they can help lawyers like myself. So yeah, uh, we deal with lien resolution, Medicare compliance, medical cost projections. Um, when it comes down to the, those lien services and helping you guys resolve those liens with ERISA, hospitals, Medicare, Medicare Advantage, Medicaid. FIBA, VA, TRICARE, disability, any type of lien that's not provider-related, we can help reduce for you. Right. Um, and I think and I think for many people don't understand, you know, the idea of, of some of the liens are very difficult to resolve. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, at least from the perspectives that you've provided me, I mean, your proven reductions is, what, 60 to sometimes upwards of 80%, right? Yeah, I mean, we with ERISA, those are the most difficult ones to reduce to self-funded to fully insured plans. Those self-funded plans are really difficult. So law firms have a hard time because it's a time suck. But, you know, so we average about 56% on ERISA plans, 40% on the self-funded component, probably in that 75% range on the fully insured. And on the rest of the matters, Medicare, Medicaid, you know, hospital bills, et cetera, we average in that 70% range. So it's, it's definitely a great tool and we're a great we're a resource for law firms to get those things resolved so yeah absolutely and i know that for us i mean obviously it, it takes time because like look the, the idea of that you know once we secure a settlement we earn our fee on the settlement now obviously reducing the the liens and all that 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 increases the amount of recovery for the clients but us as lawyers we don't actually make any additional money doing that i'm obviously we do it as a courtesy i know that there's 
some law firms that charge for reductions uh, to do those kind of things and to, li- and to litigate some of those matters when they are extremely difficult. And then, you know, you guys charge a, a, just a small fee in terms of your reduction, which kind of can offset, I believe, the time that us as lawyers would spend doing it in the first place, right? Correct. So really what it comes down to is the best result and, and putting the most money in your client's pocket. Right. And, you know, on, on average, it takes about 90 to 120 days to get that best result. Now, obviously, every client might not be right for the situation because they might, you know, be blowing your phone up and saying, I need my money now. But in the reality, if they can, if we can put more money in their pocket in three months, will they typically, t- would they prefer that? Absolutely. Right. Um, and, yeah, we do charge, our fee is based on success. So if we're not successful, which in three and a half years with Synergy probably has happened ten times, in upwards of four thousand cases that I've handled, um, there's no fee. Right. So if you don't, if there's nothing to lose by bringing us on, because if we're not successful, you don't have a fee, and our fee is fifteen percent of the reduction or fifteen percent of the net to client, whichever is less. Right. Now, are you you guys? I mean, you know, I talk about like lean resolution after the fact, but you can do that even before a settlement, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, it really it all, all depends on the on the law firm. So and the situation. Do you want us to attempt to reduce these liens during while you're in pre-suit, or do you want to wait until after you settle the case? Every every case is different, but yes, we can we can potentially reduce liens, you know, ERISA liens, uh, Medicare liens during the process. However, there's different opinions on whether or not you want to do that for purposes of potentially growing your settlement. But at the same right. time, if you have a certain you know cap on on policy limits and stuff like that. You want to see that we can get that lean down. Right. Know. So then, yeah, get an idea of saying, like, look, this is where we think we can get to, mm-hmm. you know, see what you can do based upon that reduction. And that can kind of help decide whether or not we can even resolve in the first place. It's very and, and absolutely correct. So it's really I have found that and I've had conversations with different attorneys where they're wondering, can I even take on this case? Because the policy limits are not large and the bill is already through the roof because they went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And they have a $100,000 hospital bill with a $25,000 policy. Can I take the case? Yes. We can absolutely handle that matter for you because we get those matters reduced all the time. Right. And, and, can- and in those situations, we're capped at that 15% of net to client. So what, even if we reduce it $95,000, our fee will be 15% of the final number that your client has taken home. Right, which is, which is something that um, is absolutely advantageous for the mm-hmm. client. Now... I, I know that we, we talked about, you said, mentioned a little bit about Medicare compliance. And I, and I think, you know, for me as a, as a lawyer, I didn't realize, you know, when you're dealing with Medicare and even sometimes Medicaid, there's a lot of nuance that's involved in terms of protecting their right to continued benefits, mm-hmm. right? I read a book, I think it was called The Art of Settlement. And in that book, we learned about... Um, how to you know maintain Medicaid benefits and really how to maintain Medicare benefits, right? And one of the things that we have to do is to do a Medicare set aside. Um, and for those the listeners that don't know, what that essentially is is that if you recover money from a settlement and your client is a Medicare recipient, or as Rudy pointed out to me um, the other day, or it's they're eligible for benefits within 30 months, meaning you settled within a 30-month window that they will reach the age, I think it's 65. Mm-hmm. You have, well, I don't want to say have because, but, and Rudy will explain what, what I mean by that, but 
it, it's it's a good idea to set aside some of the money um, to basically act as like a fund for when you become a Medicare recipient to pay for some of the damages you sustained. And then after that is resolved or paid for or exhausted, then Medicare will kick in. Um, right? That, that, Correct. That's a sen- and you guys handle that. Correct. So... Um, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. So, yeah, when it comes to the Medicare uh, Secondary Payer Act um, and Medicare compliance, the key is it's rec- there's recommendations because there isn't a requirement per se from Medicare, but there are recommendations. And if you don't, in, in cases in which you have a client who's Medicare eligible or on Medicare, Medicare eligibility being 30 months from 65, or they're on disability, or they have end-stage renal failure, if those things are in place and there's potential future care, you should, to protect yourself as a law firm, but also protect, but more so protect your client from the possibility of future care. And if you need to have surgery in the future, there needs to be money, there, there should be money set aside for your client's procedures. It's not to protect Medicare, it's to protect your client. Right. Because the last thing you want to have happen is that they don't set aside any money, and then Medicare decides to not cover a future surgery from this accident. And now, who's the first phone call coming to? The law firm saying, right. they won't cover my surgery. We have a problem. And that's a problem that you, you want to avoid. So we have a, a program where we give a consultation, and after that consultation, there's a determination as if you want to. There's three options. Have it, do the Medicare set aside if it's recommended. That's an additional, it's a, it's a $2,500 $2, fee for the consultation and re- allocation report done by one of our nurse allocators. If we determine that your client, it's not recommended to have it, then we give you a letter, and it's just a $1,000 fee for your file, for your client. And the third one is if you do, if, if we do recommend it and your client says no, we're not going to do it. Okay, we have a letter for you, a letter for the client, CYA for the law firm. And if, what, if they have something bad happen in the future, they can't come back and say, well, you never advised me. Right. So you protect yourself as a correct, lawyer. Correct. You know, and, and I've had, um, I think I've had to do two Medicare set-asides. And the benefit is, is when you work with the, the, the proper allocation, you can also take into account the, the amount of settlement or the amount of the resolution and saying, like, look, our best day is X, right? So we had a case... Um, we resolved it for just shy of two million, but we said, "Look, really, the case was worth about five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, and the we took that into consideration when you did the allocation, the injuries that were done, the expected treatment, then kind of did a percentage reduction based upon the settlement, and then and then put that money, and then they they administer it. I mean, they you, you pay like a nine hundred ninety five dollar fee, and then they'll administer the funds, the payments, and they'll handle all that for the client. So it's it's something that for lawyers that. If you're dealing with Medicare or any governmental benefits, you know, make sure you understand what you're doing, whether it's a workers' comp lien, whether it's Medicaid or Medicare, because as Rudy pointed out, like, I mean, look, it could come back on you, right? And that's, that's kind of, you know, as what lawyers is like, look, we obviously want to protect the clients, but if you don't protect the clients and you could have and should have, mm-hmm. you know, that, that responsibility and liability could, could fall back on you as the lawyer. So I think that, you know, working with somebody like Synergy helps, helps, you guys have the tools, the knowledge to give a lawyer who may not have it, like like I didn't have when I first, you know, was talking about it. So, and and to pretend, and, and to f- follow up on that, when you mentioned like size of settlement, that absolutely matters. 
if you have a case that's a 25 policy, it's probably not going to be recommended that you do an MSA because there's no money to fund it. Right. Now, if you have a $2 million settlement, settlement, but you determine that the case was worth $20 million, then there's something we do at the end called a reduction analysis where we may come up with an initial number that says, okay, you really, it's recommended you set aside $100,000. After the reduction analysis, it may be that it's recommended that you only set aside $10,000 right. because of that value of the case. Right, and that that's, that's the experience that I've had is that on the two that I've gotten, we've done a reduction analysis. Now, one thing that, that I didn't think of, and I don't know if, if, if you guys have or are involved in this, when it deal with Medicaid, because Medicaid, um, the benefits for Medicaid are obviously dependent upon the financial resources of the individual. And if you have a client, and I don't know if you guys handle this or work with this, but when they have a Medicaid recipient, sometimes you have to set up a qualified, well, it's um, it's like a special needs trust. Mm-hmm. Like the money has to be put into a special needs trust because then it, it's not like they have the money. It's not they have the income. I don't know if you guys work or people with that, especially because that's kind of Medicaid specific. So we do have partners that we work with who handle special needs trusts. Okay. And um, uh, pool trusts. Okay. So we do have partners we work with. I have a partner I work with. Work with. His name is Sean Pendre, and he handles special needs trusts, pool trusts, annuities, structures, okay. etc. And yes, they do need to have. Uh, you can't have more than two thousand dollars in the bank as a single person at the end of the month if you're on Medicaid, um, and, or I mean, it's three thousand if you're married. Right. So there's options around it in terms of if it's not a, if you don't have a huge settlement, you could potentially spend it down, but you need to do that before the end of the month. Right. Because you don't want to have your client lose their Medicaid. Lose their Medicaid. You right. Because at the end of the day, that Medicaid and those benefits are worth way more than the settlement typically. Now, if they get a half a million dollars, now we have a different conversation. Right. You, should, you probably should still do it to protect your benefits, but now your life is probably a little bit different now that you had a right. half million dollars in your pocket. Well, I, I think the idea is that, like, making sure the clients are aware, like, like yes. even with the Medicare, of like, okay, if we do this, you may lose your entitlement mm-hmm. to benefits. We can put it in a special needs trust, but then they say, well, then I, now I don't have the freedom to just spend the money as I want. So then I say, okay, well, the idea is that if you get the money, maybe you just get health insurance that you mm-hmm. can pay for because now you've got a large enough settlement. But it's the idea that thinking about these things post-resolution, you know, as the lawyer, just to make sure that clients are always informed of, like, these are the consequences of decisions and how do we want to proceed. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think that doing an either special needs trust and um, – can help that. And and I don't know if you guys do, but do you guys work with people that do like qualified settlement funds, anything like that? QSFs? We we do. We do. Uh, Sean Pendry, my partner. He, he does. Okay. Stuff. All right. Yeah. yeah. And for those of you that don't listening, is sometimes that, you know, you may see qualified settlement funds. A lot of times they're in like the mass tort litigation where the money's put into a, a fund. And then from that, once the settlement is done, it's actually paid into an IRS a created entity. And from there is where you can kind of pay out and make decisions. So if you're on a, you don't know what you're going to do with the funds yet, you can put it in a QSF. They paid to that directly. And then from there, you can kind of do different things. And obviously that's. I, and I've never in, th- I've in almost four years now at Synergy, I've never had one. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> it's, 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 it's for the, a lot of times yeah. the, the larger resolutions and things like mm-hmm. that. So I just, I was just curious. I look forward time. to it, but I've never had, I've never had one. <laughs> we'll get you there. Yeah. <laughs> We also talked about one of the things that we talked is uh, Medicare or medical cost projections. So, mm-hmm. just generally, what what is a medical cost projection? 
so medical cost projections are based on damages. So you have future care. It's similar in a sense to an MSA in terms of it's a report that details, but for in this case, it details every possible future item. So if you need a ramp put at your house, if you need your bathroom widened or something like that, because now you're in a wheelchair for whatever reason. Um, so any potential cost that you may have after the case is done with. We put that in a report. It takes 10 business days. Also, by the way, MSAs take 10 business days to return, but it takes 10 business days to return. And it's something that you can attach to your demand package, which for the, for the case of the attorney in the law firm will help your demand be a larger, you know, larger offer. Um, it's, it's based on that because typically you're not going by an exact number. You're going by an estimate, um, at least from my experience. Right. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But with that report, it's on paper. A third party has done this report for you. It's done again by one of our nurse allocators who produces this report. And we've seen settlement offers jump a million dollars off of these reports. Right. Where they were, it was an offer of a million dollars, and we did a, the report, and it, the next offer was $2.1 million around there. Uh, if it increases a settlement, 50 grand, it's worth it. Right. Because it's increasing, one, your client, the money to your client. For the law firm, it's increasing your fees. And it's typically making things run a little bit more quickly than you having to go back and forth of a, an insurance carrier who's messing around and trying to you know, give you a low-ball yeah. offer. Um, it's $2,500. takes 10 business days to turn around, and we have found great success. With so, the so how does that, I mean, you mentioned 2500 How does that, I mean, cost-wise compare with, say, for instance, <clears throat> a traditional life care plan? Yeah, so a traditional life care plan costs probably in the $15,000 range. And it doesn't include everything in a life care plan. It's really a life care plan light. So if you have a case that's worth millions, you probably are going to want a life care plan regardless. Right. Um, but this is something that you'd be using in pre-suit. Um, so if you have the case that's maybe worth 100000 200000 that maybe uh, where you don't want to spend the money for a life care plan, you could do something like this to help correct. increase the potential recovery for the client. We, we, our, our, our view is if you have a case that's worth, that has at least a $75,000 policy, it's something that you want to consider. Um, you know, so if it's a 75k policy, I mean, it could be a 50k policy, but I think below that, it's probably not. It's not a. It's not worth the money for your client because if you have a 50k policy, I'm probably sure that you're getting close to that policy. If you think that, I mean, it depends on the depends. carrier. You know, depends. I, obviously, with the law change, they're not going to pay on anything now. You know, <laughs> no, that new law is awful. And you saw how they've already increased the, the homeowner's rates oh, twice in tw two well, weeks. So 14% on citizens and then 1% new fund they made up yet a couple of days ago. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, we can digress to this for a second. <laughs> I, I saw reports that some of the homeowners are talking about it's gonna, they're going to increase regular rates 60%. And they said oh, it's not – It's the price is still going to increase. Mm -hmm. It's just going to hopefully – and again, it's hopefully – level out – in 2024, 2025, meaning it's going to keep continue to rise, then it's going to get to that point, and then not go down. Let me ask you this: We sure. just had, we just had a massive rainstorm, where people's cars oh. were stuck on Broward Boulevard, flooded out, flooded out. What's going to happen? And when they want to file an insurance claim to have their car basically totaled out, so they can get cash to go buy a new car potentially, are they going to get paid? I mean, they should, but <laughs> they if they should. don't. Um, and they have to sue their insurance company, they don't get attorney's fees. So the problem is now every single person will have to give an attorney a contingency, which means they will never be made whole. It's crazy. Ever. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, look, you took away the law, the right to entitlement to attorney's fees. At, at, that's something that's been a law for, what, 130 years mm -hmm. to level the playing field. And now, you know, 
we saw it happen. It's gonna. It's almost like, you know, things are gonna be realized, right? Mm -hmm. John Morgan said he was on a podcast and he said the new laws realized it should be called like, oh, you don't. Yeah, one. you don't know you're fucked <laughs> until you're fucked. <laughs> Right, and, and then he said, and then you'll know yeah. you're fucked, and like that's what's going to happen. That. And I all, saw that. That wasn't real. Right, and all these people are going to think. Many people I don't even think know the law no change. Then when they go to do it, and they're like, well, wait a second. So, so now we're benefiting the insurance companies because think about it. Mm -hmm. This is the business you chose to get into. You said mm -hmm. I'm going to get into a business that has risk, right? And because of that, you know, I'm going to make money or not make money. But we're going to blame the lawyers. We're going to say, you know what, this is the lawyer's fault. And look, there probably is some cases where the lawyers, you know, may be asking for too much or doing too much. And I think, you know, I've talked about this with some of my friends. I think what it should be is like, look, if the insurance company makes you a pre-suit offer of $5,000 and then you go to trial or whatever and then you settle for $5,000 – you don't get attorney's fees, mm -hmm. right? Because you're getting the same thing that they offered. There was no benefit. But if you they offer you 5000 and then you go to trial or whatever and you get twenty, they should pay all your attorney's fees. I mean, that, I, that's, that I think would have been a better resolution than just categorically no attorney's fees across the board. Because, I mean, what's going to happen? First-party homeowners, they're going to inflate the, it, the... They're like, okay, well, it's really going to cost 40000 to repair. We'll just have a $180,000 estimate. Mm -hmm. We'll go to trial. I mean, that's how it's going to happen. And the insurance company's going to pay the same amount of money. The rates aren't going to go up. And, you know, and it's it's... I mean, really, I think what we know what was was that you know DeSantis was trying to get money for his presidential of run. Course. I mean, let's be serious. I, I mean, mean, it's comical how every every bill that gets signed has a big you know pomp and circumstance, and this one was done in the back room. Exactly, like no one knew about it. Yeah, I it took to away people's rights. Like, and and like if you heard some of the stories of the people that came up there, oh you know, God. the guy was like, "Look, Arm I don't I don't have any no hands. Arms, no Try legs. to sign the bill without having any no, hands." He's like, "I see you guys drinking water, picking it up, and all those things." The and one that nauseated me was the woman that had traumatic brain injury. Tried to speak. Tried to speak, and I said, "Well, you have thirty seconds." And she was like, well, like "I'm slow," I, I, and she's like, "Thank you, uh, thank you, thank you for like." They didn't give a shit. Like it, it was, it was horrifying. So, and, and and the worst part, and the problem is, is that what's going to happen is that the people, and and I, like I'm not, I don't want to look like I'm wishing bad upon anybody, but they may end up being a victim of their own bill mm -hmm. that they passed, right? There was a there was a blog that I saw that there was a person, someone who was involved in some in the same type of bill in the '70s in Indiana. When they did something like this, and like 14 years later, the guy was a victim of his own bill. He was part of the industry and was pushing this bill, a lobbyist or something like that. He pushed this bill, and like 14 years later, he had a catastrophic injury, and he ended up writing a book or something like that about how he was a victim of his own bill. Yeah. Because he was catastrophically injured. Right. And he screwed himself at the end you of know, the day. You know, and it's funny because, what is it there? There's like <clears throat> a publication called like the Judicial Hellholes of the United States. Florida wasn't even in the top five. It was like they had already given the change, the you know, and it's like, that's the thing. I, I, I listened to some of the people, the guy pushing the bill, like, I mean, look, he's a non-lawyer. I don't want to say, like, non-lawyers don't understand the law, but it sounded like he doesn't understand the law. Like, he doesn't know what a deck action was and how it works and, like, the, you know, when fees applied. And, and you know, it's, it's now that we had that storm, that flooding, we're going to see what's going to happen. And, you know, I get, and guess what's going to happen? They're not going to pay because there's, there's no incentive for them to pay. Because now you can't, they can, they're like, great, file lawsuit. I don't have to pay your attorney's fees. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's funny, but it's, there's some irony in the fact that I, this happened literally less than a month ago or about a month ago. And that quickly, we've had a catastrophic situation mm -hmm. where 
People have lost homes, flooded out of their houses. Yeah. Cars are destroyed. And now what's going to happen? But but you know what I think, and maybe I'm, I'm my unfamiliarity with respect to insurance, but I think it doesn't have to be the next policy iteration. So this, I, I don't know. I think I think this policy still applies. I no. think it's the next policy. So like I, like on a renewal. Okay. You know they got to like. I, ho- I I hope for those. I think people. that's the way it's got to be. I hope for those people because, I mean, I remember. I'm sure the week before that bill passed, you were here doing complaints. Oh yeah, we we filed every single complaint in our office. I mean, yeah, cases yeah. we had signed up for one week. Yeah, I'm sure you had to. File but but you're ready for the next fight. People are saying, well, the law was a procedural change, not a substantive change, so therefore it applies immediately. That's mm-hmm. the that's the next fight that's going to have to be fought at the mm-hmm. trial court on the appeals, and you know, it, it's not. It's a substantive law change when you're changing the comparative mm-hmm. negligence from a modified comparative mm-hmm. to from from a pure comparative that's not procedural mm-hmm. you know the evidence code is not procedural you know there there's that's why there's civil rules of procedure and, and then rules of evidence i mean they're not the same I and mean, there were so many things in that in that situation in that bill that as a i mean just as a as a as a human and a citizen of florida are are petrifying but the one that really is is the scariest one to me is the bad faith Mm. because correct me if i'm wrong because this is what i've been told if you have a bad faith situation right now which i'm aware of now if they make a bad faith offer and let's say your boss is 100 grand and then you go to trial and you get two million dollars you end up settling for two million dollars because you file a bad faith claim or settle you know suit you get two million dollars the insurance company's on the hook am i incorrect and what i've been what i've heard is that if that same thing happens they pay a hundred, and then the person whose policy it was owes that one point nine million dollars. So, because I could, I know I've been told that by diff, by some attorneys. Like, so, it, so it depends. I mean, you know, the bad faith law. You know, these are the major changes, right? Because mm-hmm. un, under the prior decision, uh, which was oh my god, I can't think of the, the name of the case. Um, it's literally escaping me. It's the Geico decision. Uh, I think it's Harvey v. Geico. That's it's Harvey. Basically, what they tried to say is that the actions of the lawyer and the claimant aren't taken into consideration, right? Mm-hmm. They wrote that in the bill. Now they are. So think about that for a moment. You're, I'm, I am insured by State Farm or Progressive mm-hmm. or Geico or any of those other people's. Instead of looking at what my insurance company does that that owes the obligation to that per, to me as the insured, mm-hmm. they can then turn and blame other people and be like well they they didn't do something and it's like well i don't have a relationship with them so to me me as the insured can i force the lawyer and claimant to that you know so it's it like gives like them an out from their relationship with their insured you know that that's that's a significant change then you you deal with they wanted to say until they had all the information like 90 days after a suit was filed well that doesn't work so but what they've said is that once you give them everything you know, they have to have, it's a certain number of days after they've had, like, adequate information. Well, what is that going to mean? That's going to have to be litigated, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and I think that they they, they change, and even in third-party third, third party bad faith, and, and, I, and I think this is the case, you've got to file a civil remedy notice similar to a first-party claim. So, I, I don't, th- it's not as bad, I think, because as it okay. is the bad faith stuff. I mean, it's, look, it's still bad, there's still a lot of ad, and, and those are the, the nuanced ones, that I think, but, yeah, I mean... In any scenario where you get an excess verdict, I mean, the person who's insured is on the hook. I mean, unless you can prove bad faith that they basically not just they were negligent, but they they acted with 
you know, put the other's interest above uh, that of the other. Um, you know, and so it's it, it's gonna it's, we're gonna have to see kind of how these things get litigated, mm-hmm. right, moving forward. You know, but it's it, it look it's it's a it's robbing the rights of the citizens, claiming that it's it's our fault when like you know it's the attorney's fault when really we know who's the bad actor in the situation mm-hmm. is insurance company. It's like no one's ever said, you know what, my insurance company is some of the best people that I've ever experienced. No one's ever said that. No one's ever said, you know what, they were right. They brought me a check. They didn't fight. They didn't try to lowball me. They didn't, you know, raise my rates for no reason. You know, I had an inspector come to my home and say, oh, my shit, my, uh, some of my uh, tiles were dirty. My insurance company's like, you need to power wash it. I was like, what? I need to clean my house? I was like, you going to come inside too and tell me that my, my, my kid's playroom is too dirty? I mean, come on now. I mean, that's just, you know, and honestly, if you see it, it's not dirty, you, you know? You wash your roof. Yeah, they said I need to wash. Isn't that what what rain is for? (laughs) Right. I was like, I think the rainstorm just cleared it all out. So, you know, but it's just the idea that, you know, and obviously that was a a big digression on our part is that, you know, we we have to be as diligent and do everything to fight for our clients. And I I think that no one knows what, like the, the, the average Floridian does not know what just happened. No. And they're gonna know, like John Morgan oh, says, was, when they find out. I, I explained it's it's funny because when you you know I, I grew up in a in a house of an attorney. My father was a lawyer, um, and then and, and later became a judge. So you know what, your assumption as you're younger when you're in that, in that house is that everyone knows attorneys. It's not the case. Right. Like most people don't know an attorney. You know attorneys know attorneys, but most citizens don't. So when I was talking to a couple of friends of mine who are educated individuals who have good careers in the whole nine. I explained this to them. I said, what are you talking about? Yeah. I said, they did this so quietly that people who know, who are, watch the news and read and do everything that... It's not on know, the news. They, they wasn't on, like, they, this wasn't out there outside of the legal community for the most part. So they're like, what are you talking about? I said, if you get into an accident in the future and you are ruled to be 51% at fault, you will get nothing. Get nothing. But And what makes it such nonsense is that and the other person's not getting 100%. They're only getting the 51%, right? Right. Well, no. If you, if you were 51% at fault, they they would have to only pay their, their share, which is yeah, 49%, exactly. which, which pure comparative negligence yeah. is the way it should be. Everyone pays their share. Mm-hmm. Nope. Everything is so anti-plaintiff. I mean, they, they started out wanting to make it contributory, meaning if you were 1% at fault, you got zero. And there are states that have that. North that's Carolina, uh, Alabama, Virginia, uh, Maryland, and the one about that was the one of the commenters. The guy was driving with his wife. There was a truck broken down in the middle of the road. He tries to swear, like in the middle of the highway, kills his wife, oh. maims him, and they go, "Oh, because he was going like five over the speed limit, he gets zero. His wife is dead." Yeah, and it's like, who does that benefit? If it's not like, like that's not about leveling the playing field. It's not about transparing. That's only for the benefit of the insurance companies, mm-hmm. you know, and their shareholders and all this. And it's like, well, you know, I want to know who got paid what for voting for bills like this, you know? I mean, it's just, it's it, it, it doesn't, you know, they talk about, like, whether it rubs you. I always say, it's like, does that make you feel rubby the wrong way? I mean, it does. I think that there was a purpose behind it, and it wasn't for helping to protect the people of Florida, you know? And, and when I hear and saw, like, defense lawyers saying, like, this is to help the people of Florida, it's not. Not at all. It's to help the insurance company. Let's make it clear. It's not good. And, and the thing is that is like, well, if, if you want to lower rates, put a mandate that says they got to lower the rates. No, we're not doing that. Which means the rates going to continue to go up. And then they're going to be like, wait a sec. We passed this bill. Why are the rates not going down? Oh, wait, because it's just, that was all for show. <laughs> that's nonsense. It's, yeah, that's exactly what it is. So, yeah. 
So let's keep hitting them well, and we, keep keep selling these cases, right? Yeah. So I mean, just so people understand that you know we have a team that's built of people that worked at the lien holders. So you know, for any attorney that's listening to this, we our team is built of people that worked at the lien holders. So they worked at Rawlings, they worked at Conduit, Optima, Equian. You name the lien holder, they we've had people that worked there. We have over fifteen lawyers on staff. Mm -hmm. So just people that understand that we actually have attorneys on our staff. Um, our company was founded by attorneys. So at the end of the day. While we're not a law firm, we we do have you know attorneys on staff, and we are able, we know the inside of what those walls tell us at Rawlings. Yeah, we know where they're gonna go to. We all and so most people may, most people don't even know that all those you know analysts at Rawlings and other different lien holders they work on commission. They're incentivized to make you pay. Right. So even when you think you got a good deal, you didn't get a good deal. Right. So give us a call. And and some of the benefits too is that you know we talked about you guys can step in even if if we've got a reduction, say we got twenty percent off the bill and say like Rudy, we can't get any more reduced. Can you guys come in and step in and see what you can do from here? Yes. You guys will take it, and your fee is based upon what we can get reduced further from our reduction. Right? Correct. So if you had a thirty thousand dollar lien, you got it down to twenty. You give it to us at twenty. We start at twenty. Yeah, and so that's just, and think about that. I mean, if the best that we can do is X, right, and then we give it to you guys, and you guys drop it to Y, it's already increasing the money for the client, no matter what. And then if you're if you're unsuccessful, you don't charge anything. Correct. So it's it's, it's kind of like, if if your hesitation is saying, look, well, I don't want to pay fifteen percent off the clip, I want to do it myself. Take a shot, and then get it to where you got. Call Rudy and say, hey, look, can you guys can you take it from here? Can you get this done? You know, uh, I think for us that that's beneficial because now you're making me think that, you know, cases where I've gotten reductions, you're like, oh, you, we could have gotten you a lot more. And so, you know, that to me as a lawyer, because obviously I want to do everything for the best for my clients, yeah. you know. T typically, yes. How do I how do I sleep <laughs> at night now? Right. T t t typically, yes. You know, we will get more. Yeah. It's rare that we would. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you, where, where can, you know, obviously we're going to put some of your information in the, you know, mm -hmm. for the, the, the podcast, the, the comments, whatnot, but where can everyone find you? Where can they, you know, you know, get you, get, find the info for Rudy to, to help so you get them you, to help you, you out. You can reach me at 954-655-8205. Um, I'm local. My, you know, I work out of Pompano Beach. I cover all of South Florida from Key West up to, to Vero Beach, but you know, as a company, we are national, so we cover the entire country. Um, you can also email me at rshomat, C H O M A T, at synergysettlements.com. Okay, and I'm assuming the website is synergy. Oh, and, and the website is synergysettlements.com. Yeah. So you can find, find me up there and our 800 number. Find some more information and whatnot. So, yeah. And, and so, you're um, lifelong, you've been down here in South Florida, right? You grew up down here? Yes. Right. Yep. Um, which is hard to find nowadays, you know, because I'm I'm a transplant. I mean, I'm from mm -hmm. Virginia, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but what what is today? Today's Wednesday. Today's Wednesday, yeah. and um, I want to I want to ask you. I see, you know, I talk Rudy, you know, we're friends on social <laughs> media. He's a big sports guy, so I I want to see what do you think the Heat's chances are uh, this playoff, especially the the tough first round we got. If you had asked me before the before the series started, I would have told you we got we'd have gotten swept. Um, now we take game one. We win game one, and now they're now they're messing with my emotions, um, because I am a Heat. I'm a diehard Heat fan. I have season tickets. I was hoping to not have to spend any more money on this team because <laughs> I didn't expect much from them. But I'll be at the game on Saturday <laughs> now, and then some have to get over to some bar to go watch the Ryan De De Garcia Javante Davis fight. 
which is on Saturday night as well. Um, I tell you what, if Giannis, I mean, we lost Tyler Hero. I don't know that that matters so much as more as Giannis, you know, Antetokounmpo playing or not playing matters. Yeah, Giannis being out is huge. It's huge. If, if Giannis can't go tonight and Miami can get tonight's game, I cannot see us losing that series. No, not coming back home. Um, you know, it's a series now. I mean, it's a legitimate series. And look, Jimmy Butler in the playoffs is a different guy. Playoff, playoff, playoff Jimmy, Jimmy, man. Jimmy is different. It's a real thing. He is different. And they people, he's the most underrated player in the league to me. Not just because I'm a fan, because I loved Jimmy Butler when he was with Chicago, with Minnesota. Mm-hmm. With if he had not left Philly, Philly would have won a title by now. Oh, for sure. There's if, if they had let go of Tobias Harris and kept Jimmy Butler, the Sixers would have been would have been champions at some point in the last three years. Mm-hmm. No question about it. And look, if they wanted to make a head for head trade for Bam for 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 Joel Embiid, I'll give a couple more picks too. I'd make that trade in a second, and the Heat would be in a, the Heat would be a championship team next year. Yeah. And maybe, I, maybe I, that'll have, I mean, look, Pat Riley. He, I mean, the moves he makes, he gets it done. I love Jimmy, but I love Jimmy Butler and the way that guy plays because he he's come from the dirt, you know. Yeah. Like when his first couple of years, he couldn't get off the bench in Chicago, and you see what he's turned it. Even from last year to this year, I mean, he couldn't have thrown a three point shot into the ocean if he was on a boat. This year, he shot thirty five percent from three. Yeah. People don't even notice that. They don't. And, and I mean, I love the Heat and and. It's a series now, and if they get by this series, they're going to be playing Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, and then we know what will happen. We'll probably lose to Boston in the finals. But you know, listen, we don't need that that back to back heartbreak that we had last year. But you know, hopefully we'll you know, hopefully we'll get there. I mean, we could have had that series in the first round. It's actually, you know, it's it's funny because it's actually kind of a, a benefit to not have had to play them in the first round because that would have been a much harder role. Yeah, they're playing to, tough right now because they've been playing them. Let's say you beat them. Let's say then you got to play Philly. Yeah. So you beat them. And you got to play Milwaukee. Yeah. Now only you, all you have to do is, I mean, for all the Knicks fans, we don't like you. We still don't like you. <laughs> and, you know, if we see you, we're going to drop kick you in the second round. Right. If we get, heck, if you get there. But, you know, it's a, it's an easier of the two paths to get to where you yeah. want to be. So let's, let's hope we can get there, man. I pray. Yeah. <laughs> I pray. I pray. Hey, the Hurricanes got to the final four. They did. So... Little yeah. dis- little disappointing. I don't want to talk about that game, but you know well, we got there. Well, we got there. We got there. I mean, yeah. if you you could have never told me the Hurricanes would ever. I thought we could. I thought we had the team this year to do it, but Connecticut's so good. Oh, they're good. And they're, they just lost. They just they just had their top two guys turn pro. Yeah, I mean, but um, they had two guys transfer. What? Who the heck transfers off of a national championship team when you're playing 19, 20 minutes a game? This is the new generation of college sports, which I cannot understand. Why would you like you win the title and you want to leave? It you makes want no to be sense. The, you don't want to be the defending champions. Not to mention you're going to be a starter next season. Correct. So it makes no sense to me whatsoever. But it's already happening at Connecticut. It's happening everywhere. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's Moneyball, Moneyball, yeah. Moneyball batters. So yeah, I mean, it's, there's a reason not to stay in college for four or five years. Why not? You can make. You might not make as much in the pros because most of these guys aren't going pro. Yeah. So get paid while you can. Well, look, Rudy. I want to. I want to thank you again for coming on the podcast. A lot of insightful information, and for any of the listeners out there, lawyers, like I, I really recommend reaching out. Uh, Synergy Settlement, uh, their services. We're using them on a couple of cases now, and from what we've seen so far, the responsiveness, the the work ethic, and the and the things they do to help us, and the fact that you guys really care about helping our clients really matters to me. So, you know, reach out. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me here. All right, perfect. Thanks, Rudy. All right, see you, everybody.